All right. You can definitely continue this conversation afterwards over a cup of coffee. Um, if necessary. Was it, was it a good conversation? Slightly challenging? Uh -huh. It's the real deal. So um, I'm going to be speaking about a few things today with the little time that we have left. Um, a few practical things in a way that's on my heart, so it's not going to be a sermon as such. It'll be three different components ranging from vision sharing to long portions of scripture and then a few practical things that might be coming your way. But um, first of all, just look at this. Just look at the day today. How cool is that? You'll never have that again in your life. You'll never have it again in your life. O two, O two, two O two O. I didn't want you to miss it. Every. Every day. Okay. Moving on to more serious matters. The book of Haggai. The book of Haggai. Um, Haggai was a prophet who wrote in a time when the Israelites returned from exile. When the um, Persians took over from the Babylonians. The Babylonian Empire came crashing down. Persians were in charge. And the Persians said, we don't like you Jews, you can go back home if you want. So they went back home, and they started rebuilding Jerusalem. And interesting, what happened, as the human heart is, they built Jerusalem, but they focused on their own houses, and what they needed more than what they focused on, the Lord's house. So then Haggai came, and uh, in typical prophetic style, addressed that. I want to read to you a large portion in that. So just to remember that in the New Testament, if we speak about the Lord's house, we're not speaking about a building. The Lord's house is built out of living stones, says the New Testament, right? What are the living stones? Yeah, you're one of them, definitely. We are the living stones. So it's if we think about this interpreted in, in, in the light of the church, um, and in our effort towards his bride and in, 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 in enlarging and enhancing and enriching and in holifying his bride. And this word came, um, part of it came through intercession this week, part of it came through my wife. Um, and it really links beautifully to what the Lord has been speaking to us about. So I'm going to read this to us as a congregation. If you're not part of our congregation, I hope you can pick up a few beautiful things that the Lord is doing in our midst that you can take home. But the Word of God always speaks. You can open up your Bibles. I don't have it on the slides. It's a bit too much. Open up your Bibles, Haggai 1. We're going to read Haggai 1 to Haggai 2 verse 9. Ready. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, 
and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet, not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. It is, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while the house of the Lord lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is really warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in, in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. In the seventh month, on the twenty-first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel and to Joshua and to the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give my peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Amen. So when we do speak about 
the house of the Lord when we prophesy regarding it we're not speaking about our little church we are very much included but we're speaking about what God is speaking about a bit of I believe the larger church of Jesus Christ but we're very much a part of it and our little one is very much a part of it as a first comment the second comment is what are we spending our efforts on our own lives or the house of the Lord and the Lord brings a rebuke here and he basically says you're going to work so hard but I'm not blessing it unless you're building with me unless you're working with me unless you're building kingdom with me unless you understand what I want to do and he's asking us to work with him and he's asking us to work quite hard and in worship I felt to share this word also which might cause me to share less of the other things on the slides this morning but the moment sometimes when the word of the Lord comes and says we need to work hard in the kingdom of God then people say no I'm not going to go into that place of works and striving and it's a great lie that the enemy has brought it's just a great deception that the enemy has brought I just want to explain to you again quickly how it works and where hard work fits in and where it does not fit in so where we get the doctrine from that we shouldn't work that hard is Romans 4 where it's Paul that says by faith alone are you justified you can't do anything ever that is good enough to justify before God it's by faith in his risen son alone that you will be justified so stop trying to earn your salvation receive your salvation there's nothing you can do as a work to earn it but then we read in James that James says well if your faith doesn't result in a lot of works then your faith is dead which means that if you came to Christ in faith alone and received your salvation you will forever work as a thank offering to him as Romans 12 says we give ourselves as a living sacrifice our reasonable service the very least we could do for what he has done for us the scriptures speak about making every effort to add to our faith knowledge and to knowledge a lot of other things that i can't recite now making every effort you know that we 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 even speak in our charismatic circles about you know if i say the word striving it's negative but the New Testament, the word striving, is always positive. We should be striving for holiness. We should be striving to, to make sure that all nations know His name. We should be striving to know Him more. And we should be striving to get rid of ourselves. But then what happens is, because this is so confusing that, that Paul said, well, you can't work for it. And James said, well, if you don't work, then it was never real. The enemy comes in and the enemy tells you you need to work so God will accept you 
you need to do this so that God will accept you. And it takes you back to Romans 4. We, you then say, no, 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 no. Then I'm not going to do anything because that's not going to be through works. It'll be through faith alone. But you've already been justified in faith. He's lying to you, saying you need, you need to do something. The word of the Lord says work. The word of the Lord says the Father has been working until now. And Jesus says even I'm working. We'll always be working. And hard, like Paul, he worked hard, very hard. Not to be justified before God. Because he was justified before God. There is a line. And when we start working really hard for God, and we get tired, and we get discouraged, and things go rough, it will get rough. But your joy is in that. In the 78th minute of the rugby match, things are also tough. But your joy is in the fact that at 80 minutes, I'm going to celebrate. And then when it's so hard, then the enemy comes in and says, what are you doing? Are you trying to earn your salvation again by working really hard? You should stop and do nothing. And in your mind, he's actually telling you you're not saved, which is just absolute rubbish. So what I am saying is when we preach works, it's very scriptural from the right place of that we are already justified. And he loves us so much. And we give our lives as a thank offering. Does that make sense? Nita says yes. Enemy is really, really cunning. Right, so I trust that scripture would have done something in your heart. And um, just a little bit of vision sharing continues. Continuing where I left off two weeks ago and re-emphasizing a few of those things because some of you weren't here. We really believe that the Lord wants to bring us new wineskins so He can pour in new wine. What does that mean? It means that the way we do things are going to change radically. And it's not only in our congregation, in many congregations. The, way we, the forms that we have adopted are going to change a lot. And it's going to challenge us a lot. The Lord is saying, some of us have moved from other type congregations and the Lord has really moved us into, into, into congregations like these or others and we could see the journey and the complete difference there is in the form that we once had to what we have now and we know that the, the journey was the Lord that took us there, if it was. And I believe a similar kind of a journey is going to happen is starting to happen where we need to be obedient to the Spirit of God and not stay um, stuck in the forms that we're currently using, the forms of worship, the forms of Sunday services, the forms of pretty much everything will be challenged and is being challenged by the Spirit of God to say, will you move with me? Because I want to pour in new wine, but I cannot do it if you're going to remain in the old wineskin. So I want to declare to you that we will stick as close as we can and you will stick with us as close as you can to the Word of God. As nothing is ever certain, 
except that which is written. Amen? And the Bible isn't really that big. We could actually study it and come to a reasonable comprehension of it and continually explore it. But we will stick close to the Word of God. That's the unchangeable. And that's the thing to which we will realign. Change has always been around us. And whenever we are unwilling to move with the Lord as He moves, we are in danger of being left behind. So that's what we're kind of working on. We're really excited about this and we're really uh, seeing how the Lord is doing a few beautiful things. Um, We can skip a few slides maybe to the... I'm going to skip the what does this look like slide also. Um, I want to actually move to this slide that says despising structure. It's the third, fourth last one, I think. Yes. So as we move and as we change things, we're changing forms, okay? We're changing the ways that we're going to do certain things. So whenever you bring a change like this, so something that was normal and just part of your normal flow because you're used to it, now seems like there's been structure brought to it because there's change brought to it. Now we are going to do it differently. So it feels that structure or order in a way is imposed. And I want to declare to you prophetically that despising structure is as ungodly as idolizing structure. Despising structure is as ungodly as idolizing structure. In the book of Genesis, God saw there was chaos. He created order and life. He did it in order. And then he gave orders. There was a specific form that was handed down. That structure, that form, the way that he was worshipped after the fall was changed. When we look at example, after the Exodus in Leviticus, God gave a new form, new orders. This is the way that you're going to do it. This is the law. This is how leadership is going to work amongst you. This is how we're going to deal with, with sin. Structure's always been there. Look to Joshua. Things changed. They inhabited the promised land. So the, the cloud that went before them and the, and, the, and the fire that went before them changed and the manna and the things changed. And when they inhabited the land, there was different things they had to do, which went over to the season where there was judges that ruled. And then once again, and this is so beautiful, this is mind-blowing. The fact that when the people told Samuel they wanted a king. Samuel was distraught. He went to God and said, why are they rejecting you as their king? And the Lord said, they're like that. And then he said, Lord, but I will not allow this. And the Lord said, it's fine. You can allow this. It wasn't in the perfect will of God even to have the form. But God is so gracious and so beautifully omniscient and omnipotent 
that he used even the form of kings in prophesying the coming of his only son as an heir of that throne which he in a perfect world didn't really even want that blows my mind he's so willing to move with us and work with us and move within the forms that we create to bring about his his perfect will isn't that beautiful then there was the exile of which we just we read Haggai that was end of the exile before the next exile but um the exile there was there was a different set of laws they couldn't offer anymore they couldn't do the sacrifices and then they said what should we do and the word of the lord came and said have kids and just continue your lives and do this and do this there was a set there was a structure handed to them by the lord in which life should be done it's always been like that the lord gives a form that will facilitate the function that will glorify god and see the nation sees glory so it's not unusual for god to bring away and to lead us in a way which he wants us to worship and obey and and follow him and in the church we letters like first corinthians and uh, timothy and titus were written to ensure order in church written to ensure order in church paul writes that these things should happen orderly he tells them what elders should be like and how it should work and what they should do and should not not do and when the uh, gift of the holy spirit flow in the congregation what should you allow and what should you not allow and what should you understand is happening and he gives very clear instructions in that way and some of those things we know very well was contextually derived they were contextually derived like the wearing of hats because of the of the temple prostitutes and things were contextually derived it was given as an order in there which we now understand why it was given and therefore we have different orders that brings the same heart across in a different form some of the other things that were given to the church must remain the same throughout history as paul would say and this is my rule in all the churches at some stage so there are different levels of this but fortunately we have the word of god as our guide and the spirit of god among us so that we can find the form the structure that the lord is giving us right now and so that we can run with it every worthy thing that you've ever done or been a part of has that structure order and discipline every company that has worked every family that has worked every race that you've run structure order discipline cannot throw that out the window when we become charismatic a charismatic church if structure inhibits freedom then structure has gone too far if freedom is overpowering structure and brings it to shame then the freedom is not completely from god but there should be perfect freedom while i was i was studying this in the week as the spirit of the lord just like prompted this sentence in me that 
says that we find perfect freedom when we are completely enslaved to Christ. Doesn't make sense at all. It's exactly how it works. So I want us to check our hearts because there is a thing in charismatic churches that we should be wary of work, should be wary of structure. I just wanted to put those things in the right place. The Lord has always created order and forms. Amen? Number two, another thing I have in my heart to share with you. This is just little snippets that I feel the Spirit prompting me to share with us. This is a Western thing that has happened, and we have spoken about this, but we need to speak about it more. Leaving when you are uncomfortable or when you don't fit is not an option. Not small group, not church, not your work, not your family, not your wife, nothing. You don't leave because you feel uncomfortable. You don't leave because you don't feel that I fit here. Jesus didn't fit on earth at all. Neither did John the Baptist. But they knew exactly why they were there. And they stuck it out. And Jesus even to death on a cross. Find out where you should be. Stay there. And when you move, you to be sent. Because God has sent you. Not because you're leaving. It's an ungodly thing to just leave. Something just needs to be said. That second, that happens when we, it, most often that happens when we do not really understand our worth. We don't really understand that we're really valuable, that we're really part of the solution, that we're really called as a leader, and that we have a part to play that no one else can play here. When we don't understand that and we seem to ourselves as being insignificant, it's so easy to just walk away. But we're not going to be a people who do that because if you, if, if, if you sit in Afghanistan and you get persecution because you're sent there as a missionary, we're going to say on the phone, Jesus said it's going to be like that. You need to stick it out, bro. It's going to be tough. Eh? They might even kill you. But you need to stick it out because this is in the word of God. But then you had work are leaving because your boss isn't very nice with you and you can't stand this anymore. Because somehow you don't see that your call is as of much worth than that guy. Okay. We're going to be maturing a bit. And then the last thing I want to say before I'm going to end with a few practical notes that we are going to do Um is something that I've picked up here is that we should really try not try so hard to prove our righteousness and try to be cool and acceptable and really be comfortable to share our weakness and sin freely. It will set others free. When Jesus was accused 
unjustly, he didn't say, I am not guilty. He said, well, on the one thing that you do accuse me of that I am guilty is that you say, are you the son of God? Well, I'll answer to that if it's going to get me crucified. But the rest of the rubbish, I'll not justify myself. And when someone comes to you, let us be a, re- a repentant people. When someone brings a hard word and the first thought in our minds, and it's something in the spirit among us, that when someone brings a hard word, there's a, there's a sense where you, you take the word and you immediately try to justify why this is not applicable to me. Why I'm actually okay. I'm actually okay. I'm actually okay. Am I not? 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 No, you're not. The friends of mine that I've seen grow the most and the quickest in the Lord are the ones that just falls to their knees and repents anyway. Because I am definitely falling short that I know. If this is, if this is part of it, hallelujah, I'm in. Louis Scott is one of those guys. You can ask him to teach you how to repent. But it's a skill we should learn and it's not something we should run away from because it'll set you free if you can be honest and open and even blatantly honest with your weakness and your sin. It sets people free. And you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, whom I'm reading a lot of lately, he says, he who is alone with his sin is utterly alone. Are you feeling alone? Repentance is one of the most beautiful th- beautiful gifts that we do have. And if you have any negative connotation to that word and you don't see the pure joy and delight in it, I would love for you to come and w- we could spend some time on it in a, um, during the week. It's a beautiful gift that we have. The aim should almost be to want to repent at all costs rather than want to be right at all costs. Amen. Lord wants to mature us a little bit. All right. So um, we don't have a lot of time left. So I'm going to share a few practical things. For those of you that are new here, um, we've been making a few changes implementing a few things so the slide on discipleship we haven't implemented anything we're not going to implement anything on discipleship necessarily because it's something that needs to happen out of your hearts but we are helping with um, tools and stuff like that discipleship has when someone asks you what's your calling and discipleship is not in there then your calling isn't that biblical end of the story you should be a disciple maker at least grow to the point where you are one if you just got saved. So, are you, who are you discipling? So the one practical thing I just want to say that is a question that, is, that has come is how do you formalize the relationship? Like, do I now tell this person I think I'm discipling you? So can we just accept the fact that I am discipling you? Um, or I see sin in your life. Could I disciple you? And then they're like, oh, I thought I would disciple you. Um, now peer to 
peer discipleship is beautiful. Um, and one can mutually submit to discipleship like that. It's pretty much what uh, we have in our little house with Jock and Nita. is a is a great submission to each other and to um, you discipling us, we discipling you, and that's beautiful. But um, I want you guys to do this. I want you to ask up. I want you to ask someone to disciple you. That changes the game. Okay? Do you see someone that's been in the Lord a bit longer than you? Ask them, would you walk a road with me? Would you, would you speak into my life? Could we, would you somehow disciple me? It's a culture we desperately need. And if we look at our current um, context, then that'll be the way, the Elijah-Elisha way, where Elisha said, I'm going to follow you, and Elijah said, no, go away. So when they say, no, go away, then that's fine. I mean, Runel made lunch for, um, what's her name? Hmm? She wanted her to disciple her. She drove through from Durbanville, made them lunch for a long while and brought them food. She wanted to just serve them so that this lady would disciple her at some stage. But that never happened. And that in itself was a beautiful discipleship. You can just say, no, I don't have capacity to disciple you also. And that guy needs to, be, needs to learn a lot f- from that moment. But we need to come into a place where we're willing to ask those that we look up to, would you walk a road with me? Would you disciple me? So I want us in our community where we know each other, ask up and formalize it in that way. Is that, is that easy enough? Nita, you're amazing. You can always sit in front. All right. Um, then the next practical thing is uh, week, weekly gatherings that we have got here right now we, we told you guys at the beginning of the year we're going to move the band somewhere else so that you don't have to look at them so that you can just look at the words and at Jesus so we're still going to do that just want to confirm we're still going to do that it's just not that simple to figure out exactly how and where but that is happening then inclusive chinos, I put it there in the middle of a lot of different things I do because I don't want it to be too big a thing, okay? Because I might destroy some hearts right now. But we are going to do away with the paid coffee and with the barista vibe. And we are going to be more inclusive in that sense because we do have a great community that cannot walk in here and just buy a coffee. And therefore, do not have. So, inclusivitinos means we'll get some awesome percolators and we'll get a great free coffee for everyone that will be of a high quality. Inclusivitinos is going to happen. A big change, I know, but we feel the Lord is laying that on our heart to break some divides, especially um, to confirm this. In the week that me and Yaku spoke about this, we both had it on our hearts without even having to speak to each other. When I said it, he said, yes, that's what I feel too. And then in that week, I'll try not to be emotional, but 
without knowing about this, one of the Burundi guys, not going to say who, came to the church office and said he felt that God put on his heart to buy all the milk and the sugar for our services for the rest of the year. And then I knew this was God. So um, we are going to do inclusive chinos. Are you are, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you um, for accepting that with a glad heart. And then um, a new venue. We are opening up discussions again. As many of you might know, that we have to move at the end of this year by the latest because this building is being demolished and they're already working on it so every week we hope we're still um, safe in here but um, because they're starting the demolishing at the, at the top which is interesting nevertheless we'll be here in um, faith for a while but we're, but we're very excited for what the Lord has for us we're looking around, we're looking at a few options um, and uh, we'll keep you guys posted on it but but don't be shocked. I just don't want it to be sh shocked when we say we're going to move to a new venue. It's inevitable. We have no choice. And we're very excited about it. Also, God wants to do something. Okay, some things you should know. Um, then, sure, sure, sure. Okay, I am going to say this is the last slide. I promise I need to say a few things about small group. Guys, that if you aren't in our church, this is just like a family meeting, okay? Sunday, su Sunday gatherings are not there just to have sermons we gather as a family to speak about stuff so you can see how we do it um, I actually wanted it to be way more interactive but we don't have enough time for that right now to ask questions or comments on each one of them so I'm really sorry about that um, but please come to me afterwards if you do have any small groups I want to encourage you scripture says that it is the habit of some to neglect the gathering of the saints. Do not make it your habit to neglect the gathering of the saints. Small group is church, and big group is church. It's church, it's the gathering. Don't neglect it. If you have a family, you can do something like like dad can stay at home with the kids this week and mom can stay at home with the kids that week or you can host it at your house and like give all the kids some um, hectic pain medicine so they sleep at seven or whatever but don't neglect this we are seriously excited because God is doing something in the small groups we've heard from quite a few groups this this thing that we do here, it's so beautiful and so, and so Western. When we experience something amazing, like let's say we do um, a go group, that's when we go serve the city and you, and you go out and it's awesome and then you say, this is so cool, we should do this more often. Okay? Just want you guys to say yes, but let's be careful to do this more often. Let's keep the hunger Let's keep the hunger going. Because there's a lot of things we need to do more often. Okay? And we don't want to burn out. So the hunger is good. Keep the hunger. Cultivate the hunger. Don't go too big on one aspect of what we should be hungry for. 
um, you guys, I, I want you to know that you, in your small groups right now, there's no inf- there's nothing that from the church office side we do anymore to facilitate, apart from help the small group leaders if they've got any questions. You guys are actually running small little ch- churches that flow in all five of the uh, um, of the fivefold ministry, evangelistic, prophetic, pastoral, teaching, and apostolic. You're flowing in all of them in your small group, your little church. And after you've, after you've done this for a while, you can plant a church and see it's really not that difficult. So I'm very excited about seeing this, and I want you to embrace it like that. Um. Is that cool? A few practical things. I'll say the rest on a different occasion. Um, I want you to quickly turn to your neighbor next to you and tell them it's really hot in here. And then share with them one thing that you've heard today that you would like to obey. Go for it. Have you ever thought of a sermon like that? It's a good way to think about a sermon. <laughs> 